So, um, we continue the theme. The last number of weeks we've been talking about discipleship. Very quick reminder, and this is introduction. So discipleship is about following Jesus. It's about becoming more like him. It's about laying down our lives and surrendering our lives to him and his agenda. And it's about going and changing the world. When Jesus said to his disciples, go and make disciples, he was empowering us but sending us. And we're a sent people. We're a sent people and he is sending us to um, the places and the people that need him. And that's what we're about as a church. And I'm thrilled in a moment just to invite Steve to come first of all and then Elaine is going to follow on afterwards. Steve... um, He's the guy that whenever you ask us a question about church, we just say, ask Steve. He does an incredible amount of work, and uh, we genuinely wouldn't be here today without his hard work and commitment. Most of it is behind the scenes. Um, But we were thrilled in the beginning of September, the directors have appointed him uh, full-time in his paid hours, and part of that was to champion and lead our church in the whole area of compassion ministries. And uh, together with his wonderful life, his wonderful wife, both the same, aren't they? No. Um, Elaine, that uh, they're going to really champion what we're already doing, but also be open to the Holy Spirit as to what he's leading us for the future in terms of what we do to impact and engage with our community. So we're, we're thrilled about that. And um, that's two ringtones I've heard this morning. That's, that's, that's a ding. And there was a WhatsApp earlier. Oh, my goodness me. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. The match doesn't even start till one. Goodness, Steve, come on. Why don't we give him a round of applause? He's a legend. I feel really close. Uh, there's no need for that, by the way. Emmeline just said she is my life. So. She said it, I didn't, you know. <laughs> but she is. Good to see so many green shirts around the place as well, so that's, it's going to be a good day. Um, it's amazing and also a challenge for me personally to be taking on this um, with Elaine. So it's, it's not, not my normal comfort zone all the time, but that's good because I'm being stretched. And as I'm stretched and we're stretched, hopefully the church will be stretched as well. Um, I'm going to start reading just a couple of Proverbs. The reason I've got a couple of Proverbs is because they're always dead short, and I like them because it's just really direct, and there's no kind of bits and bobs around it. The first one is Proverbs uh, 14 and 31. It says, He who oppresses the poor shows contempt, shows contempt for their maker, i.e. for God. But whoever is kind to the needy honors God. So it's real simple to understand. We just honor the poor and the needy. Another one is Proverbs 22 and verse 9. A generous man will himself be blessed, 
for he shares his food with the poor. So as we give, we're just blessed in all sorts of ways. Um, there's one, well, I've got two more. This one's from Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 6. It's from the message. And it's just really lovely worded. It says, God says, what I am interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry. So it's like, how many times do you need to be told this is what this is all about? You know, it's not rocket science, you know, what Jesus wants us to do. And then Chantel sent Elaine and I an email probably about two weeks ago. And it was just, she was reading, I don't know what you're reading in the message. And she just sent it to us and said, just thinking of you guys. And it's really amazing. And it ties into what Paul was praying a minute ago. It's from Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 to 8. It says, Jesus sent his 12 harvest hands out with this charge. Don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. And don't try to be dramatic or tackling some public enemy. Go to the lost, confused people right here in your neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick. Raise the dead. Touch the untouchables. Kick out demons. You have been treated generously, so live generously. And the word on that is just astounding. So it is. Um, Alan, can you put up the two wee logos, can you? These are, these are the two logos from the church, okay? The first one is what Phil Millen's designed for us way back when we kicked off. And it's amazing. It says, Carrickfergus Vineyard, a place of hope, which we are, and we'll always want to be. But what happened was... I think about two and a half years ago, maybe, there was a whole trademark thing for Vineyard. So we had to change it, and all vineyards had to change it. So everything to the, the right of the little grapes, we, we, we weren't, weren't allowed to do anything with. But what happened was, and it really spoke to me, where it says on the old one, Carrick Fergus Vineyard, a place of hope. It then moved Carrick Fergus, a place of hope, sitting on its own. Now, what if, what if our town was known as a place of hope? Like, everything. Like, our paramilitaries were sorted out. Our schools were a place of hope where our kids go, and they just don't receive an education, but they receive hope for their futures. Going to the, the doctor's surgery, what if you went there when you're sick, but actually you get hope as well? Everything in our community should be affected by what we do. Now, there's a dream in this, and it is a dream. And I've written something down because it's the only way that I could probably remember it because I knew if I stood up here, I'd probably forget it if I don't write it down. And it's really simple. It's a, the first part of it has been said many times. But the second part of it, I had to sit down. It was actually Elaine challenged me, and she says, you need to put in here and out your mouth what the vision is. So it is this. To put it simply, to be the hands and feet of Jesus to as many people as we can in our community and in our circles of influence, always asking, what would Jesus be doing? We want to be a church where we are so generous that we decide that freedom from hunger, financial hardship, general poverty, emotional and spiritual well-being is our goal for our community. We need to be doing everything. We have loads of talents. We have loads of different skills amongst us. We just need to go and put them to work and use them. But God will be going first. 
Okay. I thought I would summarize what we're already doing because there's a couple of new things I want to let you know about. Um, we do cap money, and that's led by, by Andrew and Gina, and she's a team and a growing team, which is fantastic. Um, we obviously partner on the food bank with Jordan Victory, and just a wee one on that. The, the food bank is becoming so busy, they need committed volunteers. They need people to sign up to uh, Wednesday morning or a Friday morning. You don't need to do it every single week, but it would be great if some people want to sign up. You can do once a month if you want. And Elaine and I are going to do that, so we're going to try and take the lead in that and take ownership of that and join with those guys in a deeper way of the, with the food bank. So if you're interested, please let me know. It'd be great. Um, we do the baby bags for, for mums who rack up at the hospital giving birth and have nothing. So, that, so that's fantastic. Rest with Malcolm and Malian. Uh, diversity with Zulema and Malian again. And all these, like the Halloween, all the events that we do. Okay, so we're doing, we're doing loads, but we can't stop there. We've got to keep pressing in, as Paul said, looking for where Jesus wants us to be. Where does God want us to work? Wherever he is, we need to go. And wherever he's influencing, we can go and influence as well. We also do a lot of partnering with other agencies in the town, which is great. And one person asked me, why do we do that? <clears throat> and the answer is really simple, because God's at work in those agencies. God's at work with the addiction group on a Monday night. None of us are there, but God's there. And you only got to be around those guys to see what's going on. The other thing is when you partner and build relationships with people, okay, this is within our town, you develop trust. And when you develop trust and gain somebody's trust, you can gain influence. Not control, you can gain influence when you're talking to them and what they're thinking about, and you can bring a God aspect into it. So we'll continue to do that. Um, as I said, remember, God's always working, all the time, in different places. Um, a couple of new things. Um, I'm going to ask Stephen McCaffrey and Jeff if they're both here. This is a new group um, that these guys want to set up. Okay, They've done the groundwork and they're ready to go, but they need some people. And I'm not going to explain it. I'll let one of you do it or both of you. So... Um, I wanted us to do something in the town that was going to be a sustained effort and one that could reach people that need help. It's a real practical thing and it's not a reinvention of the wheel. Um, I think other churches are already going to be doing it. Jeff knows more about that. But what we want to do is have a group of people, like a pool of people, um, who don't need to be very skilled because I am not. Um, in terms of painting, clearing houses and gardens, so it's, it's unskilled. It kind of has to be for insurance purposes. And what you want is people who will just commit. It's like all our groups. The more people who commit, the less of a commitment we need from each individual. So we don't have a sign-in sheet because we don't yet have a name for the group. So we didn't know what to put at the top of the sign-in sheet. <laughs> so it's, it's that sort of a slick operation. That... <laughs> so, look, have a think about it. Have a pray about it. Um, Jeff's going to tell you a bit more about how the logistics are going to work. But what we want to do is we want to have... We want to reach people in a practical way. So some people might, might just feel a practical benefit, but hopefully some people will feel a bit of love um, and a bit of, bit of Jesus in their life that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise. So 
It's going to be done by referrals, but that's, that's Jeff's bit. So have a think about it and have a pray about it. And some people I've already spoken to, some people I know are quite skilled. Hugo Crawford's in the room, and he's definitely on this list. Um, but there's others, Nick, as well, and Johnny Graham. So, but Rick as well, and quite a few people I have spoken to, but quite a few people I don't know. So have a think, have a pray, ask your wife or ask your husband if you're a woman and you want to do it. You're all welcome. You don't need to be skilled, but you need to be interested and keen. So any questions, please come and ask me or Jeff, and Jeff's going to explain a bit more. I love the way you say it. I'm going to explain a wee bit more. The name part, we actually, it's not quite true. We thought it would be nice that everybody gets a chance to play, so we're throwing it out. If you have a name, <laughs> let us know. We wanted everybody to be involved in inventing the name. That's true, isn't it? Yeah, it sounds better anyway. Okay, as Steve said, this is not about reinventing the wheel. Um, there are other organizations within Carrickfergus and wider communities that are already doing this. So it's about partnering with them, but also as part of Vineyard, just responding to the need as and when it comes up. So this is about just you offering yourselves. We will sort out in terms of what's needed, paint, brushes, any other equipment that's required. Very few equipments that are allowed because of the insurance, which we've already, it's been a long process. But um, when a referral comes through, because we estimate well, we want this to be a referral system um, so that every, everybody has been vetted and is in need. So when that happens, we will receive the referral. We will then go out and visit and do a quick estimation of how long it's going to take, how many people. Then what we'll do is we'll come back and we will email the group, as it will be then, and see who's free. And we will take it from there. This isn't something that's going to be dropped on you the very next day. There will be plenty of notice. And this is something we want to see just run uh, through church as church and part of the community. So there'll be no end date. This will just run for as long as it needs to run for. And if you need any more information, see Steve, as he said. Um, and yeah, that's about it. And you'll be hearing more And when we get the sheet, the sheet sorted. And when you give us a name, we'll put it on the top of the sheet and you can sign up for it. And we do have a lot of people already down in our heads, which we will speak to. Most of them in this room. In fact, everybody in this room can get involved. So, there. Thank you. Um, one, one more thing, because I need to watch it in the year time, um, is there's a group of people currently in the underground of this church doing something and educating ourselves on a course called Celebrate Recovery. And it's an exciting journey. I wasn't going to be part of it. And then when I went on the first night, I said, I would love to be part of this. So it's like a kind of contagious thing, to be really fair. And what that group is going to be doing, hopefully, when we get to the end of it, and we say, yes, we feel strong enough to do this, because it's going to be taking on a big thing. It's about addictions. But then I realized that they have these things called three H's. Hurts, hang-ups, and habits. And is there anybody in this room who doesn't have at least one of those? And I'm telling you, I know, when I sat in the room, I went, yeah, I know this course is going to speak to me personally at the same time as I'm doing it. So that's going to be happening as well, hopefully in the new year. But we're working away at the minute ourselves at it and seeing where we can take it, okay? Um, can I do a wee personal story? Yeah. 
Um, just to, to let you know how it kind of works when you're reaching out to people and you're working with other people. There's one story, now it's not a brand new story, but I know nobody probably in this room has probably heard of it, or a couple. Um, a good while back, we helped um, a housing association called Triangle Housing Association. And what they done was they rehoused people in and around the Carrick area and other areas. But the lady came one day, and it was one that really spoke to me because it was like completely reversal of what I would normally perceive. And it was a father and a daughter who had had to leave their house because it was domestic violence against the dad. And that threw me because normally it's the other way around. And I went, goodness, never really thought about this. So then what, what we had to do is they were given an empty flat by this housing association. They needed some food. We had food that we could give them. So there was us filling the need. They needed furniture. We were able to contact another church in the town and they got them furniture. So that's how it kind of just works. It's just helping people. Um, another thing was, about a month ago, I was out with somebody for a coffee in the morning and came back to Carrick about half 12, one o'clock, met up with somebody else and they came to me and said, Steve, I've got 200 quid to give you, but it's not for you. Unbeknown to them, the person who I was talking with that morning, <clears throat> they were struggling a wee bit financially and they needed some money. So I said, look, I can't tell you the name, but do you mind if I give it to this person? And they said, absolutely. When I went back to that person, they found it really difficult to take the money because they'd never had to do that in their lives. And then it opened up that their car had failed its MOT and was probably going to take maybe about £150 to fix the, the car. So God's working. You have a conversation. Somebody else where God's working and telling them to do something provides a need. That's what, that's what we enter into. What is God doing? And that's what we want to find out and jump into. That's me. Here's my wonderful wife. He doesn't say that all the time. Don't be fooled into that false sense of security. Oh, my joking. I have a wonderful husband who teaches me every day what compassion is. We're all on a journey of compassion, but I must confess in front of you that Stephen is quite a few steps ahead of me and teaches me how to love other people. And I have to say, people that might enter into my head as being a little bit unlovable. Um, but that's what God does, doesn't he? He brings us in teams, in teams where we're maybe a wee bit weak, the person beside us is amazingly more strong. It's wonderful. I promise I'll have you out for the match. Let me just get that out of the way. Um, but anyway, it's wonderful to hear everything that goes on in our church, isn't it? Isn't it encouraging? And we should celebrate that. We should celebrate the people and the lives that have been touched by the programs and the things that go on in our church. You know, we should celebrate the lives touched and the lives changed because of the initiatives and the programs that have gone on in our church. And as a leadership team, we choose to celebrate that because celebration is a choice. We choose to celebrate all of the people who are sitting in front of me and the people who couldn't be here today, who are part of Carrick Fergus Vineyard family, for the dedication, for the sacrifice that you make to be part of delivering this compassion to our community. We celebrate that.
But what I want to spend the, the last wee bit of time today um, is looking at two questions, really. Um, the first one is, why compassion? Why do we do it? And the second thing is, what is our source? Where do we go to extend our capacity to be compassionate to, to our neighbour, to be compassionate to the people that we meet in our community, um, to be compassionate to the people that we work with? Where do we go to be able to go, right, God, how do I love, how do I touch the people who really greaten me? Because <laughs> let's get that out of the way too, we do have that. So why compassion and how do we kind of extend our capacity to be compassionate? And I, I want to kind, of, kind of start with, you know, what is compassion? Where does it come from? And for me, and this is a personal thing, for, you know, I'm just sharing with you. Compassion for me is an action of the heart. Because when compassion comes from here, when initiatives and things come from here, I, I know it's amazing, I know we have to think things out. But maybe my mind has an agenda for doing it, but my heart isn't going to have an agenda. My heart has a hope for what that compassion and act is going to achieve, but it doesn't have an agenda. And Stephen's already said, I want to, we want to share a bit of what our hopes and what our dreams are for compassion in the Carrick Fergus Vineyard and in Carrick. And I'm going to use the word culture. Because our dream, our vision, is to build a culture of compassion is that when people would talk about our church family and our town, that they would think, oh, you know, there's just a real culture of compassion in the manga. When people would think of Carrick, you know, and our culture today goes so against that, doesn't it? It doesn't go with the grain of independence, self-seeking, achieving on your own, doing it all by yourself. And even if you're down and out and things are bad, you still have to pull yourself up and get yourself going. That's not what we're talking about. That's not what a culture of compassion is. And it gets me really excited when I think about changing a culture and growing a culture. Because cultures can grow. Cultures can multiply. Cultures can infiltrate. Cultures can influence, as Steve's already said. But here's the amazing thing about cultures. Cultures transform. They transform. They change the lives of the people that are in those cultures. Imagine if we could change the culture in our town. I'm going to go back to my questions. Um, I think it begins with us understanding why compassion. That question of why. And to do that very quickly um, this morning, I want to explore three little stories that Jesus told in Luke 15. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can join me or your iPads or your phones or whatever. <laughs> you can join me in Luke 15. And it's three parables that Jesus told. Um, and let me set you the context of the audience in those parables. So Jesus was teaching there were lots of crowds around him, um, including, uh, as, as the Bible says, uh, sinners and tax collectors. Now, let me put that in our sort of context of language today, what we would use in Northern Ireland. The riffraff, the unsavory, the bad influence, the not good enoughs, and I could go on and on. But that's just to paint a picture of who the audience was with Jesus when he was telling these three parables. And also the Pharisees were there. The religious Pharisees that we read so much about. 
And Jesus paints a picture of, of what they were thinking and what they were um, you know, speaking of in this environment. And they were being judgmental. They were being self-righteous. Um, they were almost, if you think about it, emanating thoughts of, um, I might catch something around. What is Jesus doing with these people? They might catch something. Why would you let spend time with people like that of such an unsavory character? And Jesus knew their hearts and he began to teach. And he began to teach with three parables as Jesus used many, many times. And they're just stories that took the context of people that people could understand in their lives at that time. And with it, he taught the Father's heart. He taught the people around him what the Father was trying to say. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the two stories um, and then I'm going to paraphrase the other one. Um, so if you're with me, it's Luke 15. And I've set the context for the first um, sort of few verses. And I'm going to have to put my glasses on. See, getting old does. Or else I'm going to have to buy a bigger Bible. Okay, so then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I will tell you in the same way that there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and she loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, search it carefully, until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels in heaven, angels of God over a sinner who repents. And I'm just going to paraphrase the the sort of last story because it's quite long. And you'll all know um, this parable well. It's the parable of the lost son. And basically this father has two sons. And one day one of his sons, his younger son, by the way, comes to him and says, I want all that I'm going to get when you die. Basically that's what he said. I want my inheritance. Um, I want it now. I don't want to wait until you've gone. And in those cultures, it was a slap in the face. Um, And it, it must have broke the father's heart. But he did it. And he gave the son the money. And the son decided well, the grass is green on the other side. I'm going to take my money and I'm going to enjoy myself. And away he went. And as it transcends, he he met hard times. He spent all his money. He had a great time. He ran out of money. And he ended up tending, uh, looking after pigs, working looking after pigs. And he must have come to quite a low because the story tells us that he actually looked at the pig's food. Now, I had to imagine this. Can you imagine? Have you ever seen slop the pig's feet eat? But he was so low that when he seen that, he, he would eat it. He contemplated eating it. He was so hungry. He was so low. And he decided that he'd seen his father's servants and they were treated better than he was being treated here. And he thought, I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going to go back to my father. I'm going to say I'm sorry. He had his, he had his speech already. I'm going to say I'm sorry. I'm going to ask him to let me live like one of his servants. I know I can't take my rightful place again, but I'm going to go back and I'm going to ask him, can I t- uh, be one of his servants? And I just love this bit of the story because I just picture a father standing, looking out over the horizon, over his land. 
And was he possibly out there every single morning or every single afternoon as the days went on that his son had been lost, looking for his son, searching for his son coming over the horizon? It's a beautiful, beautiful picture with the tears in his eyes. (coughs) And his son came one day. And what did the father do? He threw a party. Put his arms around him and said, welcome home, son. He hidden here. No such thing as you're not entitled to your rightful position again. He just took it for granted that he was going to come back and take it. And I heard teachings. I, I can't claim the glory for the teachings from these parables. These teachings from these parables I listened to about two years ago. And they transformed my ability and compassion of the way that I look at people. And I'm going to try and explain that to you. And the way they transformed it was through what the guy that taught it at that time called Luke 15 Lenses. And I'm going to do that by pulling out three things that each of those stories have in common and just share them with you. The first thing was that something was lost. There was a lost sheep, there was a lost coin, and there was a lost son. And all of those somethings were really precious to the owner, yes? You would agree? They were really precious to the owner. So much so that the second thing they have in common is that the owner diligently searched for what they'd lost. So the sheep, the shepherd, went left his other sheep and he searched for the sheep that he'd lost. The woman tore her house apart. I can just picture her because like when I lose something in my house, like you can come visit me after it because like bombshell, you just trail out the cupboards, the frustrations there looking for it, isn't it? And she passionately sought that coin. And the father, I've just shared the picture, you know, and it, it says, it doesn't actually tell us that in the story. I will concede that. It does say that he's seen him coming in the distance. But the picture for me is that, that what I shared earlier, that this father sat and looked out over the horizon, searching for the vision of his son coming every single day. So the second thing that they had in common was there was a search on. Something um, was being searched for. And lastly, and this is beautiful, there was a celebration. When they found what they were looking for, a big party was thrown. Anybody that knows me knows that I love parties. (laughs) Um, And that just is, it's just amazing. It just speaks to me. There was a party went on. There was rejoicing went on. The fact that the something had been found. You see, the point of this story is what was lost really mattered. And what was found really mattered. I suppose you could then deduct that the something really mattered. And the thing about these Luke 15 lenses is when we put them on, we realize what that something is. People really matter. People really, really I say another one, really matter to God. And for me, that's why compassion. Why compassion? Because what people are living with, what people are enduring, what people are suffering with, what people are having to live through, really matters to God. And therefore, my challenge is that it should really matter to the church. 
but how that grows and how that becomes a culture is individual. That we individually actually make a choice to say people's, what they're living through, who they are, where they are, no matter who they are, whether they are something that you completely, your skin just goes, oh no, I couldn't do that. Whoever they are, that they really, really matter. Because you see, the Father really cares about people's circumstances and his passion and desire is that people would choose him. And the Father celebrates when people do choose him. And let me get a little bit personal because where do we get our capacity to be compassionate? I think it's going back to this point. And that's coming back to a point of, let me remind you of your story as you sit here today. Because you were lost. And there was a search, went out, search party went out with you and the Father. And whatever that looked like, however you met the Father's love, whoever told you the story of how much God loved you and touched your life, that was the search party coming out for you. And if you're sitting here today and you made that choice, when that search party wrote you and you made that choice, I want to remind you of something today. That on that day, there was a massive banner, and I love to picture it because I'm a party person. I love to picture it like this. That the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are sitting at the head table. And above that head table, there's this banner. And on that day, when you made the choice, your name went up in that banner. And the party started just for you. There wasn't a collective like, let's put 50, the, the 50 million people that have chosen um, to follow me today, let's put their names all up in just one throw. Would you not hate that when you share a party? <laughs> you didn't share a party. The party and the celebration was specifically for you. Where does your capacity come from to be compassionate to your fellow man? To people, it comes from reminding yourself, from letting it soak into you how much God loves you, how much you matter to God. Because out of that, we grow in looking and putting on these look 15 lenses and looking around at us, looking around at your neighbor, looking around at people. And with those look 15 lenses, you realize people really matter. I want to uh, show just a little video. Um, before I come in, I'm not going to use Paul's word, come in the land, before I finish. <laughs> um, and have you got tissues? Because you maybe need a tissue. Every time I watch it, I've seen this video used in different scenarios of, of um, teaching and training and stuff. And every time I watch it, the tears stream down my eyes. But um, go ahead and put it on. Just uh, have a look at it.
my soul so weary when troubles come and my heart burdened be then I am still and wait here in the silence until you come and sit a while with me you raise me compassion because people really matter to God why compassion because you are the shoulder of the father in today's world you are the human arm that comes along and puts your arm around somebody who can't finish the race that they're in how do we become compassionate how do we extend our capacity? Go back to that picture I painted of how much you matter to God and draw on that. Put on Luke 15 lenses. Look who's sitting to your right, to your left in your workplace. Look who's in your neighborhood. Look at who you come in contact with. And God will change your capacity to see how you can be compassionate to them where they are. And I just want to touch on one final thing before um, we go. Uh, the worship team are going to lead us in a, another song. I'm very aware that maybe you're sitting here and you've heard me talk about a party that was thrown. And maybe you're in a place where you have been met with people who have shown you how much God cares for you, that he cares passionately about you, that he's crazy about you. And maybe that raises questions in you. But I just want to reassure you that you're very much in the game, as I said earlier. There's a banner waiting for your name to be written on it, which is very exciting. And there's a celebration of party waiting to happen. And please, during this worship, if, if that's you, please come. Um, we would love to talk to you. We would love to just put our arms around you and say, God loves you. Simple as that. Um, but during this, what is our, what is Steve and I vision? What, are our, what was our desire? To build a culture of, it, of compassion, we need, it's an individual. It starts with an individual. It starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with Paul. It starts with Chantal. And it grows into this culture that just 
transforms our town. What am I going to ask you to do during this worship? I'm going to ask you to say, okay, God, teach me how much you care for me. And then let that transcend into a heart that will care and be compassionate to others. I'm going to ask you to open your hearts to the Holy Spirit um, as we um, worship. And let God do the transforming. And let God do the speaking.